Pastor Xavier Reese describes the most spectacular home makeover yet. If you go to the city of Jerusalem today, you will find bullet holes in the walls and in some of the gates of the city. Jerusalem has been destroyed about 27 or so times, laying layer after layer, so many of the gates are way below the city level. Have you ever seen a radical transformation of a building or a house that you kind of didn't even believe it was the same place? This was going to happen in the Kingdom Beach. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Once in a while, you'll hear a pastor preach, If you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. Well, when God brings the glory of His Son down to reign on earth, that will be one glorious city you'll not only be welcomed at, but in the presence of the glory of Jesus Himself. Pastor Xavier concludes his study in Isaiah chapters 59 and 60 with today's Simple Truth study entitled, The Coming King to Zion. We will not see a world as God intended until He returns and sets up the kingdom. The prophet Isaiah, in this section of Scripture, declares to us the future glory of Zion. And it falls into three progressive movements. First, we have the proclamation to Zion, beginning verse 20 of chapter 59, and it goes down to verse 3 of chapter 60. Notice first the promise is that the Redeemer will come to a certain place. Zion identifies Jerusalem on earth. The geographical location is called Mount Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. Isaiah has told us that through his book in chapter 4, verse 5, chapter 18, verse 18, many other passages. He's referring here to the second coming, the set of the kingdom at Jerusalem. Notice secondly here in verse 20 that the promise is that the Redeemer will come not only to a certain place, but a certain people. The ones who he will be coming for is to the ones who have turned from their transgression, those who have repented of their sin, those who have seen their sin against God and convinced that they are under God's wrath and lost apart from Him. Very specific. The backdrop, you know, is their sinful religious pretentiousness of chapter 59, verse 1 through 19. That's why God said He couldn't hear them. Notice the location of Zion will become the light of the nations. This is surprising to the world. Verse 2 and 3. Darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people prior to the establishing of Zion. This indirectly implies to the seven year of tribulation and great tribulation. The world will be dark. The world will be headed by the Antichrist, as we'll see. Zechariah says, Zechariah 12, 3, Jerusalem will be made a heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. Is that prophetic or what? Israel rejected her Messiah. He wept over Jerusalem. Notice the Lord will rise upon her, and His glory will be seen upon her. The Lord will deal with Israel as a nation 
during the great tribulation to prepare her for her Messiah. Israel, the Orthodox Jews, are looking for their Messiah. They're expecting their Messiah. Then when he comes to Zion as her husband and taking her as his wife, he will honor her and all glory will be seen on her. This is the proclamation to Zion. So needed at this time because they're ready to go to captivity. They need a ray of hope. They need some spiritual strength. But notice, secondly, he moves to the exaltation of Zion. First, in verse 4, the Jews will be regathered. The double imperative again is declared, giving emphasis to the truth of the proclamation and joy. She is to lift up her eyes all around and see. It's a command. Spiritual eyes. The nations all gather together, and they will come to her. This will be a change. The Gentiles and the kings here in verse 3, as well as verse 4. Now look at The dispersed sons of Israel shall be gathered from afar. God fulfilling his repeated promise that he is going to gather his, the Jews from all corners of the earth, increasing the population dramatically at this time in Zion. The daughters who have been neglected, he says, they will be nursed. They will be cared for and nourished by her side. Notice, secondly, here in verse 5 through 9, the riches of the world will be gathered to Zion. So not only the people, but the riches now. Zion will become, verse 5, radiant in her heart, will swell with joy as the nations bring the lavish gifts to her. The abundance of the sea will turn from her, verse 5 says. The wealth of the Gentiles will come to her. Now, the return of Cyrus, by his command, provided many of the material and the wealth for the temple. Uh, that's short-term fulfillment, Ezra chapter 6. But the prophet Isaiah has already told us also that the Lord will minister to the nations earlier in chapter 42, verse 6, and 49, 6 through 7. Jesus is going to reign over those nations that enter the kingdom of God. The first thing Jesus does after he wipes out the people in the battle of Armageddon is to set up the nation, the judgment of the nations, Matthew 25. How they dealt with the Jew during the great tribulation. And to those on the right, he'll say, enter the kingdom. Those on the left, depart from me. Sheep from the goat. Now, Zechariah 12, 8 through 11 tells us that God will pour out his spirit in grace, of grace and supplication. And they will look on him whom they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for their only son, grieving for him as one who grieves for his firstborn. In that, they're going to say, where did you receive those wounds? And Jesus is going to tell the Jew, in the house of my friends, you did it. And they're going to blow their mind. Notice verse 6, the various gifts are mentioned. Camels and dromedaries from the Arabian tradesmen. So the distinction is one hump or two hump. Okay, which one you want? Uh, medium, ephah, and multitudes. Not just a little, but a bunch. Gold and incense by all from Sheba. Remember the queen of Sheba who brought gold to Solomon in 1 Kings 10. Sheba, by the way, is the area of Yemen. The very place where our ship was, our naval ship was attacked the other day by terrorists. It's the same area. Camels and dromedaries carrying the riches will be by multitudes. Don't miss that. This is confirmed through the scriptures in Haggai 2.7, Zechariah 14.4, and many, many other passages. Now that, that, that isn't a very good perspective from the world perspective because the world hates Israel. And yet they're all going to bring the riches towards Israel. What a turnaround. Notice they shall bring goods, good incense, 
and proclaim the praise of the Lord? In other words, all will acknowledge the lordship of Jesus and worship him. What a turnaround that's going to be. Can you imagine a world where people just bow to Jesus and worship him? I mean, what an incredible environment to live under. There are offerings of the nations, he says, will be accepted in verse 7. The flocks of Keter, east of the Dead Sea, will bring sheep and rams from uh, Nebioth, from the north of Arabia. The offerings will ascend as an acceptable sacrifice on the Lord's altar. Now, they will only be memorial sacrifices, for Christ is the ultimate and last sacrifice. Why would there be memorial? We don't know. But certainly not for sin, for he covers all sin. In fact, Zechariah 14, 6-21 tells us that once a year, they will have to come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. And whoever doesn't come will not receive rain. No toleration. No tolerance. Now, our whole society is a tolerant society today. Listen, if you're going to be in the kingdom, no tolerance. Jesus is going to reign. No PC language. No affirmative action. No special interest groups. No politicians. Hooray. <laughs> Only one lawyer. Thank God. The one who's never lost a case, Jesus Christ. The Lord will glorify the house of his glory. Notice that. The right and proper honor will be bestowed finally. There will be no other person that will be the focus except Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, these things are to be true now in you and in me. We are to give him the glory and the honor. We are to have our focus on him. Tragically, too often in Christians' lives, other things become the focus of their life, whether it be a pastor, a church, or their own ministry, or, or their own spirituality. It should be Christ and Christ alone, his glory, nobody else. Notice verse 8 and 9, the ships from the western horizon also will come. In verse 8, they come speedily as clouds and faithful doves. The city of Zion becomes a center of the earth in verse 9. It will be the focus in the good sense. Right now it's still the focus, but in a bad sense. The coastline shall wait for the Lord. Now he's already told us about Egypt and Assyria in, in chapter 19, verse 23 and 25 of earlier chapters. The ships of Tarshish will come first. The area of Spain, that's where Jonah fled from. Uh, he took his boat there, from there. And, and they bring Israel, notice in verse 9, sons from afar, their silver, their gold with them, but the focus is not so much as bringing the sons, but he brings it to them, to the name of the Lord her God, the Holy One of Israel. It is because of him. It is for the name of the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. It's because he is present. For that reason, we come here on Sunday morning. We don't come because of anybody else, and if we do, we're coming for the wrong reason. We're coming for Jesus Christ. His name, I am the becoming one. I am who I am. I am that I am. The becoming one's a verb form. I'll be to you anything you want me to, anything you allow me to, your counselor, your comforter, anything. The reason is because he has glorified Zion, giving her the place of exaltation, giving her the place of honor as a faithful husband. 
Do you remember the story of Hosea as he told, God told Hosea to go marry Gomer, who committed adultery against him? And that it was to be a picture of him and Israel? And then when she couldn't sell herself anymore for sex and not even in the slave market, God says, now, Hosea, you go down and buy Gomer, redeem her from the slave market, and you take her home and set her aside for a while, and you sanctify her to yourself and make her yours. You honor her. You give her your honor because she has no honor of her own. And that's what I'm going to do to Israel. Wow. If you have ever had your wife or husband fail you sexually and you by God's grace have opened your heart for forgiveness and have embraced your mate wholeheartedly, never looking back, then you, you have experience and you are one of the greatest examples of the love of God after the order of Hosea and Gomer. Truly, you have to come to the end of yourself in such a deed. No one can believe or would believe that Israel would become a nation again. And yet in 1948, May 14, she established her independence for the third time. The Israeli population was only a handful of Zionists who believed after World War II and the Holocaust that the only safe place for her was her own state. The population of Israel this morning was 6,222,000. And yet it's only the size of Rhode Island. Israel has absorbed over one million people into her nation the last decade, from 90 to 2,000. And yet this is not the final regathering. But I think it's safe to say that it started. This is the exaltation of Zion. You see? She's brought up to a place that she could have never brought herself. This is exactly what God has done for us, for you and myself. Notice, he moves on to the restoration of Zion. Verse 10 through 18. Notice first in verse 10 through 12. The Gentiles will provide the labor for the city. That's interesting. The foreigners will build her walls and kings minister to or, or serve her. <laughs> now, they're not, certainly not serving her today. They're certainly not helping her build her cities. The reason being that God struck her in his wrath, but now his mercy is over her, his compassion, his pity. The fulfillment is twofold, after the Babylonian captivity and then ultimately here, the kingdom of God. Notice verse 11, the gates will never be shut for all to bring her their gifts. Jesus will rule them with a rod of iron, Psalm 2.9, Revelation 19.15. There will be no fear of thieves and robbers. Gates speak of protection, entrance, privilege. They will be open. Jesus will reign. Verse 12, the refusal of any will not be tolerated. The nations and kingdoms who refuse to serve Zion will perish. Bottom line, no toleration. Zero toleration. I like that. But you can only like that in a perfect kingdom. They will be utterly ruined, he says. Notice, secondly, verse 13 and 14, the Gentile will provide the materials for the sanctuary. Not only the city, but now the labor, but now the material for the sanctuary. The beauty of Lebanon, slumber, will adorn God's sanctuary. The place will be his footstool. 
This is a common phrase throughout the scripture. He says, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Uh, 1 Chronicles 28.3, Psalm 99.5, Psalm 132.7. Here, his sanctuary is his footstool. What a vivid picture. Remember Solomon contracted Hiram to send him the wood from Lebanon and to float it down the Mediterranean and he'd bring it up at Joppa. Then they would carry it to the site and build his temple. Beautiful wood. Here it's mentioned again. Notice the abasement of the enemies of Zion will take place also. Verse 14. Those who afflict her will come and bow down at her feet. Boy, what a change is going to take place. All those who despise her shall fall prostrate at the, at the soles of her feet. Truly, this is a kingdom. Now, some people think that we're in the kingdom. I don't know where they're getting that, but if this is the kingdom, we're in trouble. But one of the things that you have to rest on and to know that this is the closest thing to hell that you will ever experience as a Christian. But the sad thing to realize is this is the closest thing to heaven the non-believer will ever experience. I don't know if you ever thought about it that way. But it kind of puts things in perspective. They shall call her the city of the Lord, Zion, the Holy One of Israel. They shall call her the city of the Lord and the Holy One of Israel. Who's the Holy One of Israel? Yahweh, Messiah. But now it's affiliated to her. Why? Because the man gives the honor to the woman. It is the man's name that brings her up. The man's name that protects her. The man's name that empowers her. It's the man who loves her. And she, as a complementing part of God's creation, is the icing on the cake in man's creation. So she's honored, protected, cared for. No longer will she be called desolate, as Isaiah 62.4 says, but the city of the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Notice thirdly in verse 15 and 16. The place of Zion will be blessed of God. The time of her forsakenness will be turned to eternal excellence, never to go back. No more going backwards. It's going to be forever and ever. The wife has been put away, chapter 50 tells us, chapter 54. Now she's remarried to God. She will delight in the abundance of the world who has hated her, knowing it is his doing, their Savior and Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. It is because of him. To you, O Lord, to you is the glory, the power. You are worthy. You are the Lamb that has been slain. And all the 24 elders just cast their crowns at his feet. And they fell prostrated, worshiping him. Hey, get used to the picture so when you get up there, you're not walking around saying, what are these guys on their face for? Get on your face. Learn the script. He is worthy. Notice lastly in verse 17 down to 18. The prosperity of Zion will be of the highest quality. In wealth, the most valuable and precious material will be provided. Notice he goes from bronze to gold and iron to silver. And that's the progression from the lesser to the greater. Solomon made silver as common as stone. Well, this will be much, much better. 
Notice not only in wealth, but in her people. In her people, there in verse 17, the end, he says, And I will also make your officers peace, and your magistrates righteousness. There will be sons of God who seek peace. Sermon on the Mount. Righteousness, they will deal rightly with one another. What a change. And then thirdly, look at verse 18. In peace. In wealth, in people, in peace. She shall experience no violence, waste, or destruction, experiencing only security and worship. What a change. The history of Jerusalem is one of violence. Have you ever seen a radical transformation of a building or a house that you kind of didn't even believe it was the same place? This was going to happen in the kingdom age. And yet it's going to happen. If you go to the city of Jerusalem today, you will find bullet holes in the walls and in some of the gates of the city from the 1967 war. Jerusalem has been destroyed about 27 or so times, laying layer after layer. So many of the gates are way below the city level. There is no sanctuary, by the way, or temple in Jerusalem. Yet the Jews are preparing to build their temple, and the temple society assures us that it will be built, even as Jerusalem declares its independence, or Israel declares its independence in 48. They don't know when, but they know that it will take place. In fact, the Antichrist will build the third temple as the Bible tells us in Revelation 11, verse 1 and 2, and also 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, where he will walk in and declare himself to be God. And then persecute Israel in the middle of the tribulation. You see, the works of man in Jerusalem will be made insignificant in comparison to the beauty and grandeur of what's going to take place when the king arrives to Zion. There will be no comparison. You see, the peace of Jerusalem will only come when the Prince of Peace comes. Isaiah 9, 6. He's called the Prince of Peace. How the world longs for that day, particularly the church. How Israel longs for the day of peace, but it only come with their Messiah. This is the restoration of at Zion. What a change. The prophet Isaiah has declared to us the future glory of Zion through these progressive movements. The proclamation of Zion, the exaltation of Zion, and as we see here, the restoration of Zion. Now, God has proclaimed to you what he wants to do for you as a Christian. You need to rise up and shine in his glory. The Lord has exalted you by making you a son or a daughter of God. You need to honor him. Be faithful to him. The Lord has continually spoken to you over and over again, and he will continue to do so in the word of God about your restoration as he continues to transform you from day to day, from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. This is what he wants to do ongoing. This is his desire. He does not want to leave you as you are. No one can handle you. 
So he wants to change you as well as myself. And so, an incredible preview here. We long for it. Even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Pastor Xavier Reese, bringing a very inspiring message of the future of Jerusalem, the holy city, to a fitting conclusion. If you'd like a copy of today's complete, unedited message, The Coming King to Zion, it's available for only $4 on CD. And you'll also hear what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is The Coming King to Zion, or simply mention today's date. And request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us with our stewardship of this outreach. And don't forget to tell a friend and join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese next time right here. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 